Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Canty is good at a lot of things. Playing football, being one of them. Being on radio, another. Reading the room, Apparently not so much. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN apps, also streaming live on ESPN+. Plus. No Canty, no Carlin today. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson holding it down on this Monday afternoon. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at Courtney R. Cronin at Amber W. Sports. You can also hit us up on the CC call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN-888. 729-3776. So it had been three months since we saw LeBron James play basketball, but he was back on the hardwood this weekend. The Drew League, which takes place in the Los Angeles area every summer, is where he took his talents to, dropped 42 points in his return to the hardwood. Kyrie Irving was supposed to be in the game before him, did not show up. Big surprise there. We'll get into that here in a little bit. But LeBron, the same day that he participated in this Drew League event, Amber, also released the next episode of The Shop, which is his show, part of the Uninterrupted Network, and had this to say about his win-or-bust mentality. Definitely culture first, and then if you can blend that with the talent and the right pieces, it, it literally is the it's the gateway to being successful for a long period of time. But yeah, like the culture is the number one thing. Fair or not fair, do you love that pressure at this point in your career of like win or bust? I don't care about scoring title, I don't care about anything, it's win or bust. You think, do you like that pressure? Yeah, I'm obsessed with it, with win or bust, and what all, what, what, what makes me have sleepless nights is when you don't have everyone that feels the same way in your on your club. Was that a little uh, shots fired from LeBron James at the Los Angeles Lakers? Maybe. He's entering his 20th season in the NBA and still feels that competitive fire as strong as ever, Amber. And I can when, – when he's – when these comments are being played, I think back to Jeannie Buss's tweet from, I believe it was July 4th or 5th, where it was that late night tweet where she's like, I miss Kobe Bryant. Nobody was more of a team first guy than him. And, you know, it's about the team over the individual player, et cetera, et cetera. And then LeBron James says this about winning that it's hard when not everybody's on the same page in the organization. To me, this was his way of, of, you know, publicly letting us know that he and the Lakers might not be seeing eye to eye about the direction this team is headed for the 2022-23 season and what they can potentially do to make this roster better. Is he talking about the Lakers generally? Is he talking about a specific Laker? I mean, we're kind of left leading, reading between the lines like we were, as you mentioned, with that Jeannie Buss tweet. That's no mistake, though, that LeBron James made this comment on the back end of that soundbite we just played. I mean, they set him up for it perfectly on the shop. Mm -hmm. And frankly, the rest of that soundbite, Courtney, 
wasn't particularly interesting to me. We know LeBron James is the competitor of the highest spirit. It's why he's LeBron James, right? So yes, win or bust, great. LeBron, you want to win. That's not news to me. What is noteworthy to me is what he said there when he says, I don't like that not everybody, if I don't sleep, it's because not everybody feels that same way. And what it, where my mind automatically goes is remember during the season, Courtney, for the Lakers and every time we heard Westbrook for a while there in front of a mic during the months that were really, really difficult months for him, he sounded very kind of philosophical and like, you know, his life would be okay when he walked out of the, at the time staples, right. And he would be able to, to go and his kids and being a dad and all this stuff that's more important about life, which of course it absolutely is and should be, but it was kind of frustrating for Lakers fans to hear it in the moment because all they wanted to hear was how much you cared about basketball. And so this sort of reminds me of that. Whereas LeBron taking a shot there at Russell Westbrook, because maybe he feels like he's not win or bust, or is it at the Lakers front? office because he wants them to be so committed to winning that they're willing to attach that 2027 first round pick to that Westbrook contract to move him for Kyrie. See, I think it's the latter. I think that that is him talking to Rob Palenka, him talking on behalf of Clutch Sports to the entire front office to really put the bug in their ear if it's not already there that, hey, this roster as is right now is not good enough to contend with other really good teams in the West, and they have an option. It may not be the most attractive option from the headache perspective of what Kyrie Irving could cost um, in terms of that extra, that first-round pick that you were talking about and moving Russell Westbrook because we know that he would probably have to more than likely get moved in order to facilitate uh, this sort of trade that would happen with the matching salaries, what have you. But it, it, it to me screams that LeBron sees I don't have the help around me that I'm going to need next season because the Golden State Warriors are still a very, very good team and their window to contend is open. The Memphis Grizzlies are a very good team and they're young. Their window to contend is open. Phoenix still a very good team. Let's see if they get Kevin Durant. Window open if that happens. Dallas, the list goes on and on and on. And I think that LeBron looks at this and says – there is an option sitting right in front of you. Don't be so scared to, to don't be too scared to take that, even though it is Kyrie Irving. It would be LeBron getting to play general manager again in facilitating this whole thing from happening. And I feel like the Lakers don't necessarily want to cede that sort of power, considering we saw how it worked out with the Russell Westbrook trade last year. Um, and we'll see what happens. But I, I think this is LeBron's way of saying the, the roster as is is not good enough for me at 37 years old, with however many more years I want to continue to do this, to bring you a championship, and I'm on one wavelength, and you guys are on another right now. So I would assume that he's trying to bring everybody kind of full circle and everybody onto the same page, which it certainly feels difficult to do when you have a salary cap and you don't have the tradable assets that potentially other teams do. Uh, But his relationship with Kyrie Irving speaks for itself. When those two were on the floor together, Kyrie Irving was at his best, and I think that LeBron James feels that he can bring the best out of Kyrie Irving. It's just a matter now of whether the Lakers would want to bring him into the mix and be part of that. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson sitting in for the guys. So one thing quickly, though, because we talked with Tim Bontemps, ESPN NBA reporter earlier in the show, about LeBron James's extension that he's eligible for this summer. Um, 
two years, $97.1 million. He can sign that. I believe it's in August. It feels at this point that the Lakers are likely to offer it. But something I found interesting of what Tim said, Amber, is that he can turn this down, but that doesn't necessarily mean he would be saying, I'm done with the Los Angeles Lakers. This might give them more flexibility, it sounds like, to to go out and and do certain things with their roster. But it's something to keep an eye on because when he makes comments like he did on the shop, I see that as if we don't do X, Y, Z, I don't want to spend the final years of my career here in this organization. But what Tim was saying is that that's not necessarily the way that this whole thing could line up. I was really surprised when Tim alluded to it maybe being essentially a good thing for the Lakers. Mm -hmm. If LeBron doesn't sign his extension, that's not how I had read the situation. I was actually thinking it gives the Lakers more flexibility. LeBron signs because then they have the commitment from LeBron. It's much easier for them to then figure out what they're doing for the next few years if they know that LeBron James is going to be part of that organization. It also gives them a structure and order to work with when we're talking about what that salary cap is going to look like moving forward. So I was sort of surprised, but Tim did say that earlier on the show that maybe him not signing would necessarily be a bad thing for the Los Angeles Lakers. I think it's a pressure play. I think LeBron's saying, hey, trade for Kyrie and then I'll sign. Mm -hmm. And of course, LeBron and the Lakers are in two different pages right now, Courtney, because the reality is that LeBron is only running the Lakers right now right I mean even like when we say like GM LeBron and air quotes and whatnot he only cares about winning right now Rob Plank actually does have to care about this organization beyond just this year or even next season LeBron James doesn't care about what's happening with the Lakers draft picks in 2027 he ain't gonna be here for them mm-hmm. ESPN radio is presented by Progressive Insurance coming up next speaking of LA It's the City of Stars, and this week it's the All-Stars of Major League Baseball taking over the city. That's coming up next, ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Baseball's best sluggers vie for long ball supremacy. Coverage begins tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. It's Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. Courtney Cronin and Amber Wilson sitting in for the guys on this Monday afternoon. It's time for the progressive MLB snapshot. Let's welcome in ESPN Major League Baseball analyst Doug Glanville, who is at Dodger Stadium. Sounds like he is right behind home plate right now, getting ready for the festivities 
to begin All-Star Week taking place out in L.A. Doug, what are you most looking forward to tonight in the Home Run Derby? Oh, wow. I mean, just the strategy. These players are not – it's not just, hey, I'm going up and hitting the ball long anymore. They're trying to figure out how this is going to play out strategically. First of all, it's hot. Uh, it feels uncharacteristically so here in L.A., hitting the 90s. So a lot of – you could see a lot of people behind the whole plate. They're trying to figure out, like, all right, we've got to conserve energy. I can see a lot of water breaks coming along. But, you know, the storylines are fantastic. You think of Juan Soto and how long he will be a national. You look at all the, you know, the, the fact that Pete Alonso was the sort of batting, the title leader, the title holder. What is he going to do? So all these players are coming together, and, and of course, they're getting admired by all these all-stars around who are just taking it in, just like all of us. Doug, we know that Aaron Judge decided not to participate in this home run derby. You just mentioned Juan Soto, I mean, turns down a monster deal. He's still out there participating. What do you make of these? Obviously, you guys have mega stars right now participating, but what do you make of the Aaron Judges of the world foregoing it in a contract year? You know, you've seen this in in different moments of whether not even going to the All-Star game or whatever happens, whether Jose Altuve, I remember uh, Carlos Correa, so there's sometimes there's other issues, but the players are making sometimes those individual decisions and, and injuries play a role. They want to get healthy. So you're hoping that, hey, this is I've never been to an all-star game as an example on any level. So it's a great honor, and you hope that all the players preserve that and, and recognize that, even if they're a 10-time all-star, that 11th time is still something to be uh, tremendously proud of. So every player is making those individual decisions. We're talking with ESPN Major League Baseball analyst Doug Glanville here on Canty and Carlin. Pete Alonzo going for his third straight home run dirty derby title. How does he get there if he indeed is crowned the champion tonight? I see him just doing what he's done so far. He gets into a rhythm, a groove. You saw him dancing up there last year. Uh, yeah, he just gets on these runs. And he was down quite a bit to Acuna last year and found a way to surge back so you're never out of it as long as there's time on the clock and you have enough of uh, a rhythm but he has a good rapport with you know who's throwing to him that's also a big part of it and you know he's the guy you have to knock out he's he's the champ mm-hmm. and they have to go after him and Alonzo has been very impressive this season driving in runs and part of that is his ability to go to the opposite field as well but I see him getting into pull mode left left center maybe center field and, and attacking it that way so is he your choice to win it? Who are you choosing here, Doug, if we make you uh, jump on the prediction bus? Oh, prediction bus is, for me is Juan Soto, actually, because I see him having a lot at stake right now. You know, the fact that there's these questions, are you coming back? You're turning down this deal. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure he's saying, all right, I have something to prove that I am this elite player and that I can decide my destiny and I can turn down money because I want to go to a place that's going to win every year. He's going to want to back that up. And so I see him having a, a unique kind of motivation uh, that goes alongside with someone like Alonzo who's trying to defend his title. Juan Soto rejected a $440 million offer to stay with the Washington Nationals, a court sources were told ESPN. So what do you think could be next for him? Like what should the Nationals plan be now that he did turn down that offer? The Nationals have to keep trying. And, and 
I didn't see it as, oh, this is not enough money as much as it is. I want to see where we're going as an organization. Yes, they won the World Series not long ago, but now they're at the doldrums of the basement right now just dealing with how they can get back into the mix. So the Nationals are a team that is searching, and they've had injuries. So when you're that caliber of a player, you're Juan Soto, you want to be assured that you can have perennial contention. I mean, that's what the Dodgers do. That's what these organizations do, that they're in there every single year. And I think it's fine to go look for that and, or at least at least explore the commitment by your organization. He is in the driver's seat or will be for that reason. And, and it doesn't come around that often. I was a free agent a couple of times. When you finally have the right to consider that, you should take it. And it doesn't mean he will not be a national. It just means he's exploring what's possible. And, and uh, time will tell, but it's a little early to say, oh, he's, he's gone forever or he's, or he's you know, never coming back. But time is ticking, and the Nationals are going to have to put together not only a plan for him, but where they're going to go as an organization so you can convince players that are this caliber to stay and be franchise players. Well, convincing him to stay is still something that they have an opportunity to do, like you mentioned. But him turning down the largest contract in Major League Baseball history, I think, came as a surprise to some people. But it felt to me like it might have been a per annual thing that was also problematic because if you broke it down annually, then it didn't seem quite as good. Did you think that they lowballed him or did you think it was a fair (laughs) offer where they stood at their third offer? It's hard to take 440 and not call it fair, you know. I know tough. it's remarkable, uh, especially especially with the timeline. You know, you're 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 young, and by the end of this contract, um, I mean, I know I'll have you know my body would be completely gray at that point. So, you know, look, it's it's 15 years, and there's no question. It's not a matter of insult, but he's going to look at it on all these other factors, and the money could play a role. And who knows? Maybe that average salary will will go up. It will actually go higher. It's possible time can work to his favor and meanwhile on the field he's he's been phenomenal in july just absolutely you can't get this guy out so there's another level and and he's already a lifetime 427 on base percentage which is in the stratosphere so you're talking about a great player and the numbers are going to follow but even if he got you know 300 for less years he can decide that and that's the challenge that the nationals have you have a player that is has a lot of control because he is that good Doug Glanville, ESPN Major League Baseball analyst, joins Courtney Cronin and Amber Wilson on Canty and Carlin. On that note, do you think it's better potentially for baseball to have him to have him available? Uh, Juan Soto, that is not necessarily locked into that long-term deal, akin to what Fernando Tatis Jr. is. Uh, like he's going to be in San Diego for his entire career, based on the way that that contract is structured. Like, is this better for baseball that we could potentially see some movement where Juan Soto could stay with Washington or go somewhere else? There's no question. One example I think of is you look at Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. These are the best players on earth. You know, they're just that good, and they've done it for years. And they do something so uniquely. But they're in a situation where they're just not winning. They're, they're getting trounced every year. And Mike Trout being in the playoffs once in his career is kind of a tragedy in some ways. So, so what do you do in those scenarios? Yeah, you'd like to see these best players on the best stage so that people are aware of them. And, I, you know, I come from a time in the 70s, 80s, I wanted to see my favorite players on the same team. So how can you marry those things where you have franchise players that can stay so that and, and that all teams can compete in a given year, but at the same time having the, the star players getting the exposure? And, and that's baseball's big challenge. And I, I don't think it's a good thing when you, you come up in a system and you can't stay uh, mm-hmm. for, for a variety of reasons. But... 
from a right standpoint, the player having the, the power to choose their employer, so to speak, that is still an important right. And it's up to the organizations when they reach that threshold to make it worthwhile. And, and then it's let the chips fall as they may. All right, Home Run Derby coverage coming up here, 8 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Doug Glanville will be a part of all of our coverage, ESPN Major League Baseball analyst. You can catch him on radio. You can catch him on TV. Catch him all over Dodger Stadium the next couple days with the Home Run Derby tonight and then the All-Star Game taking place on Tuesday. Doug, thanks so much for the time. Oh, it's my pleasure, my honor. Thank you. All right, the Progressive Insurance Major League Baseball Snapshot brought to you by Progressive. If you are a renter, make sure you are protected. Renter's insurance includes options that cover stolen property, personal injury, and living expenses if your place is damaged. Quote renter's insurance today at Progressive.com. Coming up next, could the Cleveland Browns be in the mix for trading for Jimmy Garoppolo or another quarterback, depending upon how the Deshaun Watson situation plays out. We'll get into that next here. Kenny and Carl on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The Cleveland Browns are reportedly looking into adding another quarterback to the mix who would end up being behind Jacoby Brissett if Deshaun Watson is suspended. That was reported by Mary Kay, Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer. We're still waiting word about Deshaun Watson and a potential suspension that would be coming down. Uh, Judge Sue L. Robinson, who has been the disciplinary officer, uh, she's still presiding over this case. We're waiting to see when a suspension could potentially be handed down to Deshaun Watson after talks wrapped up about two and a half weeks ago. Training camp starts for the Browns on July 27th. This feels like this is heading towards a Friday news dump as Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin uh, hosting Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. That's what Amber brought up before the show. I agree with you. This feels like something that the league is going to try to bury, but what the Cleveland Browns are reportedly not trying to do is go into the season with Jacoby Brissett at the helm of their offense, and for good reason. He's a good backup. He's started 37 games, 15 of which came with the Indianapolis Colts after Andrew Luck's abrupt retirement in 2019. But, Amber, it feels like there's one solution here for the Cleveland Browns that they want to be able to take advantage of the type of roster they have and if Deshaun Watson is suspended for eight games or more. And that's go after Jimmy Garoppolo with the San Francisco 49ers via trade. 
Yeah, well, he would be the one starter, right, that would maybe be available to you and be out there that you could start over Jacoby Brissett, making Brissett a viable backup quarterback, as you just mentioned, as he has spent much of his career of late. I don't know if they're going to do that, though, Courtney, because Mary Kay Cabot was pretty clear in her report here that they're going after a backup for Brissett. I remember the last time I had her on this show, she said the same thing, that maybe they will go after a backup for Jacoby Brissett if they bring somebody else in. It seems like she keeps hearkening on the word backup. Jimmy Garoppolo ain't a $27 million backup, right? I mean, if you go after Jimmy Garoppolo, it's to win now. The Browns, though, are in that unusual situation where they wouldn't care about Jimmy Garoppolo's durability issues. They wouldn't care about handing Jimmy Garoppolo a contract beyond this season because this is a one-year rental, and that's only with the assumption that Deshaun Watson, of course, isn't available for some significant period of time. What makes this conversation interesting, though, because you and I were talking about this a bit earlier in the show, what happens, Courtney, if he's suspended for 10 games? And don't forget, this is a whole process because we're going to get a suspension here from Sue, or at least we suspect, right? We're going to get whether he violated the league's conduct policy or not. There's still Mm -hmm. a possibility she finds he did not. Nothing happens. Nothing's appealed. He's playing week one. That seems highly unlikely. So assuming she finds that there was some sort of violation here of the conduct policy, we'll get some sort of suspension. That suspension will be appealed. And then uh, they could sue even in federal court after that. So still a lengthy process until we'd actually get to a resolution. But let's say it was 10 games and it actually came down. It was somehow solid and they didn't go after it. What do you do then if you're the Cleveland Browns? Like if it's 10 games, are you looking at a Jimmy Garoppolo? If it's 15 games, like if it's not every single game of the 17, are you still going after Garoppolo? I think there's a threshold to it. Like let's throw out four games, right? Let's say it's just a, you know, a quarter of the season more or less gone. I don't think that you would go after Jimmy Garoppolo because we had um, Jeff Darlington on the show earlier this afternoon. And and he said that Jimmy G wouldn't necessarily sign off on something like that because he doesn't want to be going to a place where he's a backup quarterback. And for what we know about how the San Francisco 49ers could potentially be handling this, they're going to try to do right by Jimmy and not send him to a place that would you know, make him take a step back in his career, let him not continue to play. Well, we also don't don't know if he's going to get to continue to play in San Francisco or if the 49ers are going to turn the reins of the offense over to Trey Lance, who they used uh, a top three pick on two years ago to get him. And we saw him in limited time last year as a rookie. Maybe this is the year that they say, hey, the offense is yours. Go with it where we want to see what we drafted. But you know, that's the question. Like, how how much longer are the San Francisco 49ers willing to hold on to Jimmy Garoppolo? Because he is on an expiring contract, which does pay him or owes him this year $27 million. Would he be willing to take a pay cut to stay in San Francisco? I feel like the leverage would be on his side there because we do know in his first two seasons as a starter, the first year the team gets to the Super Bowl, the second year the team gets to the NFC Championship after a very rough start. Like, And it's not in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo. He played a role uh, in his team getting there in spite of not being perfect throughout the entire year. So what do the Cleveland Browns do? What can they possibly do? It feels like if they want to wait this out, And if they want to play the long game here, because we don't know, again, we don't know when the suspension is going to come down from Sue L. Robinson, the disciplinary officer that the NFL has hired to preside over this case to determine whether Watson violated the NFL's personal conduct policy. Could come tomorrow. It could come three weeks from now. The Browns hope that it comes sooner rather than later so they can try to plan for what the season could look like. You would think, though, 
that you'd want if Jimmy Garoppolo, and, and again, we, Amber and I are theorizing here on Candy and Carlin that, about a potential trade for Jimmy Garoppolo with the Cleveland Browns, that you'd want him part of your training camp process. You'd want him to learn the offense, which, again, is not – it's not too dissimilar from what they'd be running in San Francisco, but you want to be a part of a team. You want to learn the, the, the locker room and learn the guys that you're throwing to. They'd want to pull this off sooner rather than later. But if it's the sooner element, you'd be trading for him. What kind of draft capital are you willing to give up for Jimmy Garoppolo knowing that the San Francisco 49ers hold all the chips there and all the leverage? If you were to wait to see if you were to get released by cutdown day, then you're in a completely different situation, but you're also 10 days away from the season starting and bringing in a brand-new quarterback. Neither of those sound like they're great options for the Browns. I mean, you only got a fifth-round pick for Baker, right? And he only cost them $5 million bucks for, the fan- for the Panthers because the Browns had to eat so much of that salary. Like, you're not going to get much for Jimmy Garoppolo. You're talking about a $27 million cap it. If somebody was trading for him, it's, it's much more expensive than Baker's cap it was going to be. And you saw in yep. Carolina, they weren't even willing to take that hit. And they, they made the Browns take the majority of that contract. Plus, you, of course, have the durability issues with Garoppolo and coming off of the injury. It's hard for me to imagine that, frankly, anybody's giving up much for Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, does that price tag go up in a trade scenario? If they keep him, don't cut him, rock into the season with him, and then a starter gets hurt and that team is actually a contender and gets desperate and then decides to trade for Garoppolo. But then, like you said, you have issues about bringing him to a locker room where he doesn't know the playbook. So there's no easy answer here as we are almost at training camp. It's surprising, frankly, that he hasn't been moved already. Yeah, absolutely. And we also don't know if he started throwing yet. We keep hearing the reports that, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get back out there and throw. Well, call me when that happens because we have been hearing that for the last month, and I'd like to know what he looks like when he actually throws a football again post-shoulder surgery. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more, all your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Coming up next, the three biggest stories that did not make the rundown in a little segment we like to call Three and Out. That's coming up next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Kyrie Irving was a no-show at the Drew League over the weekend. He was apparently supposed to play on Saturday and did not. Uh Drew League Commissioner Dino Smiley said he didn't know why, and he was pretty sure that they were coming, quote, but you know how Kyrie is. I guess he changed his mind in the middle of it. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson sitting in for the guys. Apparently, Kyrie can still play uh, in the Drew League. I believe that that's, you know, that's still on the table, but... Dino Smiley, the commissioner's comments, Amber, kind of speak to the larger uh, issue a lot of people have with Kyrie Irving and the reliability factor there. Listen, he'd played in, what, 29 games uh, for the Nets this season, so he was probably exhausted. So he just couldn't (laughs) decide to show up to the Drew League. I mean, this is just Kyrie being Kyrie, isn't it? And I was on air on Saturday with Q Myers, and this is, of course, happening on the West Coast. And so we're looking at the time, and he was supposed to show up at something like 1130 in the morning on the West Coast is when Kyrie was supposed to play. It was a couple hours or a few hours before LeBron. So when Kyrie first no-showed when we were on the air, we were theorizing that maybe it was because all of a sudden he was going to show up at the same time as LeBron and that this was going to give us 
us the signs that, hey, these dudes are rolling into the Drew League together because they're also trying to roll into the Lakers front office together and get that deal done. And I wondered if it was some sort of publicity stunt. And then, of course, he didn't show up. And LeBron went on to do what LeBron did without Kyrie's presence there. I mean, LeBron James can show up to this thing. LeBron James and Kyrie still can't show up to this thing when they're expecting to have him. It's just so Kyrie Irving, isn't it? Now, and I, to I mean, be it, fair, this is the though, whole concern. It, no, it is. And I think that it's a small thing in the grand scheme of things. The Drew League, no one's no one's like looking, zeroing in on that, being like, oh, man, he didn't show up for the Drew League. Well, wasn't he with He'll kids never play or something? He apparently was teaching. You know, there's a tweet out there from Nets Kingdom AJ it's a, it shows that Kyrie was teaching a youth camp at Phil Handy's basketball camp this morning. How did you not know you were teaching the youth Mamba camp, Sports though. Academy, which is also in the area. Um, I don't know. Maybe he just said, like, you know, I don't have the bandwidth to go from there to the Drew League. You know, but if you sign up for something, clearly, you know, the Drew League's probably selling tickets, expecting that you're going to be there. And, you know, LeBron dropping 42 in the next game is not a bad consolation prize by any stretch of the imagination for people who are in attendance. But I'm sure there were a lot of people wondering where Kyrie Irving was and wanting to get to see him on the court and also seeing him in the same building with LeBron James. Now, will they end up together as teammates? Who knows? But uh, it doesn't look like they will be playing together in any Drew League games coming up anytime soon. You're listening to Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio and streaming live on ESPN+. Plus. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson sitting in for the guys on this Monday afternoon. As always, ESPN Radio was presented by Progressive Insurance. Winding down, down here on this Monday afternoon, want to thank all of our guests that stopped by the show here on Canty and Carlin, starting out with Tim Bonteps, ESPN NBA reporter, who stopped by earlier this afternoon, talk a little KD, talk a little LeBron. Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL insider. Peter Burns joined us from SEC Media Days. Doug Glanville rounded everything out, joining us from ESP, from the ESPN studios at Dodger Stadium, getting ready for all-star game festivities, the Home Run Derby coming up 8 p.m. tonight. Uh, you can watch that on ESPN. You can also hear the coverage right here on ESPN Radio. And before we get out of here, it is time to go. Three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is... Three and out. Three and out is brought to you by Indeed. Need to hire? You need Indeed.com slash credit. Okay, so SEC Media Days underway. The unofficial kickoff to college football, as we like to call it. Nick Saban talks tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern time. What will he say, Amber, since we have not heard much from him since he accused Jimbo Fisher of buying his entire recruiting class? Right. I don't think he's going to say that probably again. (laughs) Uh, I don't think he's going to say anything like Lane Kiffin said at today's SEC media days where Lane Kiffin essentially said that they legalize cheating when it comes to NIL. He said that there's no salary cap and that they're playing a professional sport now. So he said everything that anybody needed to say. Frankly, Courtney, I don't know if there's anything left to say for Nick Saban. So I, I have a feeling Nick Saban's just kind of say, going to say like all the usual company lines type thing and, and probably keep it a little bit closer to the vest than we saw earlier this summer him do. I don't think there's going to be a lot of fireworks coming out of 
Nick Saban's press conference. Maybe he's actually going to want to talk about some football and who, you know, won that conference last season. Yeah, I believe that Nick Saban will definitely be on the let's talk about Georgia train because he doesn't want to get into the weeds of NIL, doesn't want to get into the weeds of conference realignment, would rather talk about the team that just won a national championship that happens to be in their division in the SEC. Wild times when Nick Saban wants to – you know, do that instead of talking about his own team. But, hey, at least that would take distraction away from the headlines that he created earlier this offseason when he decided to step right in the middle of it with NIL and accusing Jackson State for paying a player a million dollars, for saying what he said about Jimbo Fisher and the recruiting class allegations that he bought an entire recruiting class. Him and Dion made nice, though, don't forget. They made They're in a commercial together, apparently. They're back smiling, so they're they're good. They're good to go. They're back chopping it up, those two. Excited to uh, see what that Maybe him and Jimbo will chop it up. And be smiling Surprise everybody! SEC media days. Pull a fast one. Be like, hey, we're best friends again. Maybe they weren't in the first place. But hey, we're best friends now. <laughs> all for it. Um, all for this also. Anthony Richardson, who is a quarterback at the University of Florida. He's a rising sophomore. Announced on Twitter on Sunday that he's going to drop his AR-15 nickname. He wears number 15. His initials, AR. Um as well, um, he, he put a pretty thoughtful statement together. You know, he eliminated any gun-themed imagery from his apparel line, which obviously he has via NIL as well, and announced the shift on social media. This caught some weird backlash on Twitter. I don't know why. Um, oh, you know why. I, I do know why, why, unfortunately. I, I mean, it's, it's yeah. I mean, look, this is my quarterback. Uh, I'm a huge Gator fan. Uh, this is my guy. We're all very excited about the future there of Anthony Richardson. I think that this was very mindful of him, Courtney, yes. because when you're talking about branding and these college students now are all talking about branding and their thought process has to be on their brand because growing their brand through name, image, and likeness is short of the entire game now of college sports. And also, of course, one that can help them in the future. And and not even just if they make it in the league, because some of these players may never make it in the league, but they will have still built a brand around themselves that's big enough in college where they can go on to help themselves with it in future endeavors. And so it's so important that these college students focus on their brand and on their imaging now. And I think that this is really mindful of a really young guy who is realizing that, hey, there's this association here that he's uncomfortable with because of the state of affairs right now in this country and he even though it's just a nickname he said that you know it's just a nickname and it's it's my initials and it's my jersey number I just don't want to be associated with that so I'm working on a full rebrand so is my team and so I thought that it was really mindful of him navigating a really difficult subject in this country and you see the backlash of that Courtney so and you knew that was coming and that's what this young guy right now is navigating but he's better not, to do it now sooner he's not the first him. person to do it either remember Alan Robinson when he was with the Jaguars mm-hmm. wore 15 and he was AR 15 down there which was a play off of uh the rifle and he dropped that when he went to Chicago not only did he change numbers but he you know said he was not going to have that anymore and that came after the Parkland shooting which was back in you know early 2018 so unfortunately we're still dealing with this where anybody who's had this sort of nickname before there's other players out there um too you know that it's just it's unfortunate because these things keep happening throughout our country um but I do agree with Amber here I mean 
really heads up from a young guy and Anthony Richardson in being able to protect himself and also just have some sensitivity. Real quick, if you saw me smile just now during this incredibly serious subject right here on ESPN+, Plus, it was because Evan Wilner, our new producer, our new EP, just said in my ear, the real shame here is that Tim Tebow's jersey number is not retired, which is true. That's also a component of this story. That is a real shame. That's a shame. It's not retired at Florida? No, oh, that's how Richardson wears 15. That's how Richardson that's, wears 15. That's the amazing thing that came out of all of this to me. Like, great job by Anthony Richardson. Wow. But why does another quarterback get to wear 15? Wow. So true. Off subject. So that's still on me, huge Amber. kudos yes, for Anthony Richardson. For First thing but it was thing. so true and such an excellent point. Well, maybe US. Anthony Richardson will play so well this year, Amber, that he gets number 15 retired and uh, not Tim Tebow. I don't know. Last maybe that won't happen. All right. <laughs> Spain and Fitz coming up next, followed by the home run derby. Listening to Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus.